Today, we are having a special guest with us. She graduated as one of the early female doctors at a time when most people thought of doctors as male and role models were like Marcus Welby, MD. She graduated from the University of Southern Illinois and she was very grateful that they took a chance on her when she applied for medical school. Although her family had no college-level background and she felt she had no role model to follow, she stepped out and took a chance and remade herself. She also participated in a program that was similar to Physicians Without Borders. When invited to go overseas to Ecuador, she went solo. She knew no Spanish, and her only direction was someone to meet you at the airport. Now, if that wasn't enough, at age 55, she trained and climbed Kilimanjaro. And it's just amazing that she would undertake something like that. And... That's pretty much how she's been leading her whole life. Uh, It's like if someone tells her no, she would say, oh yeah? Well, just watch me. And I am delighted to be able to interview her today and just ask her a couple of questions and get acquainted with her. I just wanted to thank you for coming, Dr. Bonnie. It's real exciting to have you come and be here with me. So, to date, you have been invited to talk as a physician and teacher in forums ranging from concerned teachers and administrators of public schools, church members, and college-level students majoring in healthcare. What is your impression of the questions voiced on pandemic infection, and how have you addressed their concerns? I found that the teachers especially are terrified of returning to school. They are so afraid that they'll either catch the virus or they'll bring it home to their families. Um, Some of their concern is because of the amount of misinformation that's floating through our society, virtual and uh, broadcast. So I spent quite a bit of time going back to Here's how the virus gets into your body. It can get in through your mouth, your nose, your eyes. It can't get in any other way. If the virus doesn't get to your mouth, your nose, your eyes, you can't catch it. Some of the precautions will be uh, keeping their distance from other people, including students. And there's going to be an issue with spreading students out sufficiently in classrooms so that they don't spread it to each other or to the teachers. Some of the issues are going to be what if students refuse to wear masks and 
What about hand hygiene? How are we going to do that? One teacher, special education teacher said, well, what happens when some of my students get into a fight and there's blood and stuff? And I said, you already know what to do with the blood. That's not going to cause you COVID. It's the spit you gotta be careful of. I encouraged teachers who were very afraid of bringing it home to come in the back door of their home, remove their clothing, shower, and put on fresh clothing, and they'll be fine, and they can't spread it to anybody. And the virus cannot live very long on soft material. So they can't bring it home. Well, that's good to know. I have heard people saying to me, well, you know that the virus can live for days and days, or that money is going to transmit the disease. Well, you could have virus on a business card or on a dollar bill, but if you don't put your hand in your mouth, it's not going to get into you. The problem is uh, we put our hands on our nose and our mouth all the time. Somehow the mask help encourage you not to do that. Yeah, I can see that. Dr. Bonnie, what is your impression of Albuquerque? and the management of the city in the face of a pandemic this large. Do you feel enough is being done? This summer, I took a road trip and I went through parts of 14 states. And I was surprised with how different prevention was from one state to the next. I was in one state where I went to a restaurant and every table was full and nobody had a mask and uh, in other states where restaurants had moved out two-thirds of their tables. What I like about New Mexico is your governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, has been very active about prevention. And I know that people grumble about it, but the numbers here have stayed pretty low. Of course, we do have cases, but the numbers have stayed low. I got a smile because every business does have on their door masks are required, which is not true in some states. And one business said, if you don't like this policy, call the governor. Here's her phone number. Yeah. What do you feel your legacy might look like in describing your experiences over your lifetime in service as a doctor that has led to the improvement of the community? I thought about that when I was practicing actively. I thought, you know, I am never going to be on the cover of Time magazine. But during the time I practiced, I know I got between 100 and 200 patients to quit smoking. Wow. Um, how I did that was every single time I saw a patient, I would ask, when was your last cigarette or your last cigar? And every time I would say quitting smoking could be the best thing that happens to you in this year. Even if you win the lottery, quitting smoking will be better for your health. And they heard that from me time after time after time. And when they were ready, I said, I'll help you in any way possible. And different people used different methods. And there are some methods you can combine. When they'd come in and I'd ask, when was your last cigarette? And they'd say to me, two months ago. That's wonderful. And I would always put a big X across their medical bill and say, 
this one's on me. I am so proud of you. So in the course of my career, between 100 and 200 former smokers. That's probably the best I've done. Wow, that's awesome. That's quite a testimony. One last question, Dr. Bonnie. What image or memory stands out the most in your mind when you were in practice? In your experience, the most important thing you did as being a doctor. <laughs> I know that sounds really big. I was a volunteer in Ecuador working at a little clinic in a slum. I was most struck when I went to the slum, not by the houses made out of corrugated aluminum or cardboard. What struck me were the roads. The roads weren't paved. That didn't surprise me. They weren't gravel. They weren't mud. They were a whole bunch of junk just paved into the road because of uh, foot traffic and car traffic. One day, a woman brought her six-year-old son in. He was deaf, and she said, the teacher at the school for the deaf says, the American doctors are coming, maybe they can help. She said, the teacher says he needs hearing aids, but we can't afford hearing aids. And I drew upon not my medical experience, but my experience as a teacher of the deaf and said, hearing aids make it easier. You're absolutely right. But your son can learn with or without hearing aids. He needs to see your mouth when you speak. And I sat down and went face to face with the boy. And I was able to get him to say several words, mama, papa, and nino and his mom burst into tears. And I thought, oh God, this is my whole life, focusing in this one little spot in this slum in South America. Dr. Bonnie, that was absolutely awesome. This is Albuquerque Now. Thank you, Dr. Bonnie, for being here. And we'll see you next time.